it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Danita Bailey. Well, good morning. Welcome to School Days, Help for Moms and Dads of School Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. Um, Babe, if I'm going to be sitting here for a little while, I think I need to get my name back in the introduction. Um, this, you know, <laughs> saying Danita Bailey, but I think it's time to put me back in. Anyway, I'm like, hi, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> Let's not start the show with a fight. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying. Okay. So, hello, everyone. Hello, all. I'm David Bailey. <laughs> All right, we we digress. Today, we're talking all about COVID-19 and the upcoming school year. As with all information or most information about COVID-19, what we say here might be obsolete before the end of the show. School will be soon in session. How soon is still to be determined from some district as cases of COVID-19 continue to rise in some areas of our country. School officials have made plans A, B, C, and possibly D or further to prepare for the school year because of the ever-changing news about COVID-19, and parents are struggling to make the right decision for their kids for the fall. I think it's fair to say that we all have COVID-19 fatigue. So David, how are you as a teacher feeling about the upcoming school year? Uh, Well, I mean, from a personal academic standpoint, I feel good. I've been in the virtual space for several years now. Um, so back in March, when we made the transition, I was already, my kids, we just kept on going. It was no big deal. Um, now heading back to the fall, you know, I'm already going to, I'm going to be uh, recording all of my videos for the, at least for the first unit uh, for both my algebra and geometry um, classes starting now. Um, so that whether we go back to campus or not, my kids, are, we're going to, they'll be able to have access to everything they need um and then if we do meet um physically um then we can go we can kind of go deeper into it and explore things so uh, from a personal standpoint i'm i'm feeling good um now if you see me in class i'll probably have on a hazmat suit um, <laughs> with a mask and and uh the face you're gonna look like I'm, an I'm, astronaut I'm, pretty much um uh, I'm, a, I'm gonna get potent stuff. I'm trying to get, you know, I wanna get hand sanitizer that squirts automatically so that the kids aren't touching surfaces. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be like Fort Knox up in my classroom. Uh, but I teach middle schoolers. And so, you know, it's kind of hard to kind of wade through, you know, they like to hug and, you know, do what they do. And so how do you manage that? And, you know, so in hallways and things like that. So, um, you know, so, but that's, that's not, you know, my responsibilities. So, but we have, you know, we have great insight today as to kind of how that's all going to look. Uh, as a parent, uh, I am, it's, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're deciding to do the in home option um, as well, because, you know, we have, you know, uh, immunocompromised members of our family. And so what's best for us is for them to stay home. Um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, I'm feeling optimistic. Tense, it sounds like. Say what's that again? I said tense. You sound tense. Oh well, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm optimistic about you know preparing. 
Uh, but even with all the preparation, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? So we just have to adjust and you know, kind of roll, go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been 2020. Go with the flow because <laughs> yes. stuff keeps coming. Well, yeah, it it's it was, you know, kind of a no brainer for us to decide to do online because, you know, um, we've got or one of our sons with asthma and I've got asthma. And so it, we felt we did not feel comfortable um, sending our kids into the school system. Um, and we, you know, just hope that you are protected as much as possible as well. That makes me a little bit nervous being the wife of a teacher and you're going to be going in there regularly. But, um, yeah. you know, we're just trusting God and you're a teacher. So right. you're you're going to be a frontline worker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any other comments? Uh, no, I mean, you know, let's. Uh, I don't have much more to say. I want to get to the experts here because yeah. they have it all. They have it all figured out, and so, and so we're gonna. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah, they're laughing hysterically, yeah. all of them. Yeah, so we're gonna One's hear crying. Exactly what to do, and and what they say is is you know is exactly the way it's going to be so not right and it will not change right (laughs) yeah yes but but you know we are grateful for the for you guys being here because we want to um hear from what's what's going through your heads we want to hear you know from you know campus leadership uh from all different facets of where you guys are and what you're thinking um and so we're excited to have you guys here today right so before we go any further, well, let me just say that it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in and add the hashtag school days show and hashtag I am school days. And also we want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214-444-5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, you can drop us a question there and we'll do our very best to get to you. Um, I do want to say that we would like these comments to be as broad and general as possible because we do have people that are listening across the metroplex across the country across the world and they are not so much concerned about the fact that you didn't turn in your um, athletics physical and you want to know from uh, uplift education if that's okay (laughs) so let's keep it broad where all parents will benefit from um, from the information that we're going to share so let's just jump in right in and introduce our guest. David, do you want to start? I sure would. So first I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Sean Scott. Could you raise your hand, sir? All right. Um, he's entering his 21st year of service in Texas schools. He served as a U.S. history and government teacher and head baseball coach for the first four years of his career. He then moved into administrative roles, including positions as assistant principal, principal at the elementary, middle, and high school levels. Uh, Director, Assistant Superintendent, and Associate Superintendent. Dr. Scott joined the Mansfield Independent School District in July of 2011 as the founding principal of Lake Ridge High School. During his time in Mansfield ISD, Dr. Scott has uh, been promoted first to Director of Business Services, Assistant Superintendent of Technology and Information Services, Assistant Superintendent of Curriculum and Instruction. He is entering his third year as Associate Superintendent of Curriculum and Instruction and Accountability. And um, Dr. Scott earned his Bachelor of Arts degree and Master's of Education and Master's of Business Administration and Doctorate of Education um, le- uh, Education Leadership from Texas Christian University. Dr. Scott served as an active member of the Mansfield ISD uh, community and 
Um, it's the proud parents, uh, Nina's wife, Courtney, are the proud parents of Emma, an eighth grader, Abigail, a fifth grader, and Jack, a kindergartner. Dr. Scott and his family reside in the Mansfield District. And we have Dr. Kimberly Canty. Dr. Canty, could you raise your hand for us, please? Well, you're only female on here, so I guess it's kind of hard. It's kind of easy to point you out. <laughs> um, uh, she's entering her 27th year of service in public school education with 21 years of service to Mansfield ISD. And she has held teaching and, and coaching positions in various administrative roles and was most recently MISD's deputy superintendent before becoming the second female superintendent in the district's history in December of 2019. All right now. And Dr. Cantu is passionate about preparing students to be college, career, and military and life ready through her work with Vision 2030 and the National Redefining Ready Cohort. Furthermore, her work on preparing all students to be socially and emotionally astute and cared for both in and outside the school not only supports her belief that having students be life ready, but shows her desire to put the best interests, the best interests of our students and families first. The Texas Native also believes in giving back to the community and is an active member of the Mansfield Rotary Club and participates in Meals on Wheels, Habitat for Humanity, and other service projects. So um, thank you guys for, for being here and welcome and welcome back, Dr. Canty. You can unmute yourselves. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, so I want to introduce Gibran Torres. He was in the Army serving in Iraq with Task Force Odin, one of the first UAV units in the Army. Also served with 3 Corps G3 Air, which oversees all air assets on Fort Hood, Fort Bliss, and Fort Sill. He was the assign then assigned to Joint Task Force Bravo, based out of Honduras, that conducted counter-narco-terrorism and humanitarian operations in Central America. After the Army, Mr. Torres worked with a general contractor firm in Irving, Texas, while att attending Tarrant County College. One of his projects was with Uplift Education, a public charter school serving over 20,000 students in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where he started in 2012. Mr. Torres now oversees the maintenance and operations of all 21 campuses and gives design input on new construction projects. He is also in charge of all network-wide centralized maintenance service contracts, including janitorial, as well as setting the janitorial and cleanliness standards for the entire network very important right now <laughs> and always mr torres has a wife who will be a middle school teacher in greenville isd this upcoming year his wife and three-year-old son moved to the far side of royce city about a year ago to enjoy the country life so welcome thank you for having me everybody just unmute yourselves right now <laughs> we're good um originally and then we want to um introduce um, Leon Darden. He's originally from Waco, Texas, and brings over 15 years of educational experience serving students from low socioeconomic backgrounds. He believes that every child deserves an education that matches their limitless potential, not the condition of their neighborhood. Darden began his career as an educator in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, which with experiences ranging from juvenile justice charter to several school districts in the area. Prior to receiving his master's degree in education administration, Darden also enjoyed success as a middle school football and track coach for much of his classroom career, helping to develop well-rounded student athletes. Recently, Darden was principal at Chilton Secondary School, where they received seven academic distinction 
distinctions in two years. Also, while Chilton, while in Chilton, Darden was appointed as a member of the McClendon Community College Alternative Teacher Certification (laughs) Advisory Board. Immediately prior to joining DeSoto ISD, Darden was principal at at a local charter elementary, rounding out his administrative experience at all grade levels. Darden, a resident of DeSoto, is a graduate of Baylor University with a BA in Public Relations and Concordia University. Austin, where he was inducted into the Pi Lambda Theta Honor Society. Darden is currently a doctoral student at the Dallas Baptist University. He is expected to complete his studies in 2023. So welcome. Thank you. All right. So now that we are all well acquainted, let's go ahead and jump right in. We have a lot of ground to cover and not a lot of time. So The first thing we'd like to know is many are pushing to send students back to school in person. Um, What are your opinions about what the rush is to return back to school? Um, I can start with that one if you'd like. Um, I think staying out of the the political uh, piece, I think, um, you know, I think there's many reasons why, why there's a a rush for um, parents to get their kids back to school. I know, um, from the educator side, we we do know that the majority of kids learn better in face-to-face instruction because of the ability to really engage as much as you possibly can when when you're face-to-face. I think part of that push comes to for the concern of the social and emotional well-being of, of kiddos. And you guys are, are you know, we're hearing all the um, the stories and the things that are going on related to that. And so making sure that we have have kiddos in in our buildings where we can watch them and really gauge their their emotional and uh, well-being, I think is is super important. You know, for a lot of our students, uh, school is their safe place. It's where they where they get regular meals, where they have access daily to counselors, where they can be screened daily for health issues, all of those sorts of things. And so, I think those are those are just a few of the things that are I think are really kind of Lead, leading that push to we want we want students back back in buildings and we want to be able academically to keep them on track and and again the more that you can keep them engaged which happens better face to face the more likely that they're going to stay on track with their learning and and continue to grow in that way. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to piggyback on what Dr. Cantu was saying. Um, absolutely, um, a social uh, emotional aspect of our kids is vital. Um, you know, we don't, we're not all born with a silver spoon per se. And we know the conditions a lot of our students come to us with and school is not only, doesn't provide only food and, and those emotional connections, but they also provide a safe haven for a lot of our students. Um, and in our district, however, um, uh, one phrase comes to mind, disproportionately affecting black and brown. Mm. And, you know, with, with that being said, you know, if that hadn't have been said, maybe we'd approach this differently. Um, but that has been said. And so we're in a position where we largely have to follow the science and, and follow the data and listen to, you know, Dr. Redford, you know, from the CDC and Dr. Fauci uh, from the National Institute of Infectious Diseases. You know, we're, we're just not in a position based on that phrase alone to just not think about that aspect of it. And so, you know, we're in a unique position to everything that Dr. Cantu said, except we, without overly promoting uh, at-home learning 
and providing an option for in-person learning. As a leader, obviously I have to lead my troops into the building and into the front lines. But um, at the same time, um, we have to make sure that our at-home learning, we engage virtually. And we really do engage because that is our primary responsibility. And for those students to be in front of teachers is the best way, regardless of of how fun we can make a virtual learning, mm-hmm. uh, how, how in-depth, how thorough we can, but it's going, it, it, there's nothing replaces being in front of that practitioner, that pedagogical expert in delivering that instruction. And so that's the conundrum that we find ourselves in today. Right. Yeah. And we actually will be doing, Kimberly, um, you, you mentioned um, the social emotional aspect that's really difficult to teach and to practice in a virtual environment, of course. And uh, we will be doing a show with um, someone who is, uh, who handles social emotional learning for DISD next month and to talk about how this is handled in a virtual environment and how we can, um, you know, capitalize on what we do have um, until we're able to get back into the schools. That's amazing. Yeah. So what should parents, gosh, this has been such a difficult decision to make for, you know, so many reasons. And, you know, I told you guys yesterday that I'm a part of a couple of, we live in Mansfield and I'm on Facebook on a couple of Mansfield moms um, pages and parents are really talking about just what are you guys doing? And, you know, how did you decide? So what should parents be considering when choosing between the different models that their districts are providing this school year? I think, all, you know, most of us here, uh, at least I know uh, Dr. Kent too and I, and then from our conversations before, uh, the Bailey family all, all have school-aged children and, and are having to make this decision uh, for ourselves as well. Uh, to Mr. Darden's point, first and foremost, it, it's the health and safety of, of your family. And, you know, our closed, our online application piece closed uh last night and we're looking at for upwards of 40 percent of our families uh opting for the online online version uh so again to mr darden's point um the best instruction is when you can get in front of that practitioner and you can you can so so our efforting is to make as much online school as possible follow kind of the same instructional programming of what would happen if they were there in person with set times for them to be in front of the teacher receiving direct instruction, receiving small group instruction, uh, without having a six-year-old sitting in front of a computer for for six hours. So we're trying to we're trying to strike that that balance uh, and building our schedule. Uh, and for us, you know, almost thirty-six thousand students. Really, what you're talking about is you're talking about building two parallel school systems uh, when you look at mm-hmm. the personnel. Um, so many of our parents have asked, um, why the deadline, when can we change, you know, that type of, well, you know, we really are completely restructuring the, the, uh, reworking the structure of our organization. Every time we make it, we make a switch and we'll do that. Uh, but, but it's not just something it's, it's a, it's a, you got to move that kill a little bit at a time. It's, it's a big shift. It's not just something you can snap your finger and make happen if we want to do, to do it well. Uh, so, uh, you know, all the studies show that face-to-face learning for the vast majority of kids works the best. So our kind of philosophy is, especially for our younger learners, to make that face-to-face, to make that online experience 
as close to face to face as, as as we can so that parents who do opt whatever their reasons are for an online version or a virtual version uh, that there's no negative effects uh, on the student and their and their progression through the year because in the spring learning kind of became the variable engagement had to be the constant and learning was the invariable we can't do that this year the mm. learning the year's progress the learning has to be the constant this year Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do have a couple of questions online. You guys see that or I want you guys to know that we are. I am paying attention to this. And uh, yes, this is live. Someone asked if this was live. It is definitely live. Oh, goodness. That was a long question. I can't ask all of that. Um <laughs> Uh, one of the questions was, was, uh, were parents, uh, not parents, but were children, um, spoken to or asked about what they want? Did, did any of your districts talk to students, not just parents about what they wanted? That's a very good question. We sent a survey out, um, to families. And when we disaggregated that, we did have some students that did respond to our survey. I don't know, Dr. Scott, do you recall the percentage I don't, but we did have we did have a we did have a, a student specific survey for our older kiddos. Oh, okay. And, and I love our I love the question. Um, we also sent out surveys, um, and, and I think that we want a kid perspective, but at the same time, our students don't. Um, well, I won't say that. I won't go there. I'll just say that you know we rely on the the, the parent perspective more so during this uh, because they're quite frankly, the parents. And, you know, at present, our chief of research and design, he kind of keeps us, kind of keeps us abreast of the surveys. And, you know, 80% of our parents um, in our community have chosen at-home learning. And mm -hmm. so, you know, as Dr. Scott alluded to, we have, you know, two parallel, um, you know, competing uh, methods of, of, of instruction, two parallel schools, theologies. Uh, methodologies, so on and so forth. And so, you know, we have to make them juxtapose them and make sure that uh, to the best of our ability, again, without them being directly in front of uh, our teachers, make sure that our learning, um, you know, keeps abreast with where they need to be, where they should be, the level of engagement, um, you know. And so as, as parents think of that decision, again, you know, disproportionate. And you know, we have to follow the science here uh, for our district, again, simply because that's what the science is saying. And so uh, for a district like ours, um, you know, where, you know, our parents get to choose and we have to structure our schools and our systems um, to where, you know, we're following CDC guidelines to the best of our capabilities, um, you know, and in terms of instruction, you know, I think when we look at it, you know, we're looking at COVID-19 and, and, you know, one thing that it does do is it gives us an opportunity to rethink uh, the brick and mortar type of, of education. We get to be more flexible with our schedules than we've ever been able to be. Uh, for instance, as we meet as uh, middle school teams and elementary teams, we, we're focusing on uh, instead of, you know, from this time to this time, every day, you know, math, art, so science, so social, so on and so forth. But now let's begin with social emotional hour because we have to think about the trauma that our kids are coming back to us with. You know, all they've known for their lives is I go to school and then all of a sudden that was uprooted from them. And so while we think of, of us as adults and how we feel about it, 
you know, just imagine the trauma that our kids are going to report to us back with. And so, you know, we have to incorporate in our virtual learning, which will be similar to if you come in person, because we have, you know, um, minimize the communication, so to speak. So our virtual in DeSoto, our virtual system is what they'll be utilizing even on campus. And so, you know, frequent brain breaks, uh, recess will look different, uh, genius hour, you know, blended learning just took on a whole new meaning uh, for COVID. And so, uh, and then project-based learning, things of that nature that we're all focusing on, I know we are working on, but again, that brick and mortar, that change and how we're, how we're using COVID. And I think collectively as a system, we're using COVID to, you know, reimagine and rethink what education should look like, you know, regardless of how we were trained and what we know to be the benefit. Uh, uh, we can just change this up to be really more student focused and student centered than we've ever been before. Mm -hmm. So that's incumbent upon our teachers, our, our parents to weigh both options. And I'm in no way, if you have to do it, I am, I understand. So I don't want to ever come off as an elitist or just say, you have to choose this. This is the best way. We will follow the science, but you know, we understand we're serving demographics of people that have to send their kids to school. That is the best option. We live in capitalism and people have to work. And so we do understand that. And so again, we just want our babies to have the best education um, that mirrors what we do virtually, what we do in person, what we have known uh, before COVID, but also, again, looking at this as an opportunity to reimagine education. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, as an as a side, just from a teacher standpoint, um, what I noticed when I was when we switched over to all virtual, that some of my students who were in okay, they're my biggest clowns. I call them the clowns, um, the ones who you know have you know just have to be giving us an extra love in the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I noticed though was that some of the same students who had challenges in the classroom were killing it online. Mm -hmm. when, when we went virtual, first of all, they got to study on their own schedule. Um, and typically what I saw was as the day progressed, uh, the behavior got more and more challenging in the classrooms. Uh, but they got to go online when they wanted to. Um, I gave them flexibility. You could either just watch the videos, watch the videos and, and my own included videos that I created myself. Or you, and you could also come join me personally, um, what I call it the virtual experience. And some of those kids were, were faithful. I mean, they came to me all the time. Um, and one girl in particular, she in class, my algebra class, she struggled. But she got online and she was my top student in that class for the entire nine weeks. And, you know, and so, you know, I think some kids uh, is going to be, and I think it's all teacher engagement is critical, you know, how they teach, what they do with it. You know, we were talking about the algebra of parabolas and, vert, you know, vertices and all those things connected to um, COVID-19. Um, so I was trying to do some real world connections to make them see it's not just about the content, but no, this is real. This is how we apply it in real world applications. And they really got to see that that understanding of it as well, um, you know. But it is critical, you know, how you deliver um, is going to keep so that kids staying engaged. If the teacher is engaging, uh, making it interesting, um, and making it so that the kids want to come back to your class, then it's gonna, it, it, it can be a great experience. Um, and, but if not. And it's just passive learning, which we know as educators, you know, that's never the goal. But you know, how do we get how do we get to that point creatively in a virtual space um, in a way that 
you know, maybe we haven't thought about before as well. Um, and so um, there are definitely a lot of things to, be, to consider um, in professional development. I know, uh, uh, Dr. Scott, that's 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 your speed. That's your that's your you know that's your world. And and uh, you know, as um, well, Mr. Darden and, and Dr. Canton, everyone. So uh, how how do we you know make sure that that is engaging? Um, but on the flip side, for, for those that are coming. Uh, so, Mr. Torres, when I ask you, so here you go. So kids are coming back to school all bubbly and bright and ready to learn. However, um, it's going to be a whole new world. Um, so how will teachers, uh, what, what is the plan for how teachers will be, uh, teachers and staff and, and students uh, to, be protect, to be protected? Because ultimately, it's all in the execution. Um, and this is, this is. Now, uh, this is where it, it falls on you um, to make sure that it's happening across, you know, uh, the multiple campuses that Uplift has. So how, how, how does that, how does that uh, uh, look and what have you been told as far as how, how that's executed? So we've been trying to follow as much as possible the CDC guidelines, especially when it comes to social distancing and mass requirements. Um, the TEA from uh, even a few, several months ago, as a matter of fact, uh, had already told uh, all the school districts in the state of Texas uh, what type of PPE that we would be receiving. Um, we're going to start receiving that uh, for Uplift anyway uh, here actually tomorrow um, and some other school districts here in the area will also start receiving that uh, PPE and hand sanitizer and things of, of that sort and chemicals. Um, for the classroom, it's going to look a lot different. So we're spreading out a lot of the furniture um, to try and maintain that social distancing as, as much as much as possible. But uh, we're also looking at other spaces, other spaces rather that are not traditionally used as classrooms, like cafeterias, gymnasiums. Um, there was even a point, you know, before our survey results came back and we found that about half the parents wanted to do uh, remote learning. We were even looking at adding portables or temporary buildings outside of the existing buildings. Uh, either in the parking lots or even taking up soccer fields to be able to accommodate that that vast increase in space to accommodate our students that we were expecting to come just a few months ago. Um, we're also, of course, providing uh, all the prevent, uh, PPE for teachers, um, whether that's reusable face masks or, um, or the disposable kind, because there's, I mean, teachers, I mean, I'm, I don't have to tell you, but it sometimes can get a little bit dirty, um, oh, whether yeah. <laughs> dealing with a student, that, you know, that maybe has an accident with the primary scholar or these kids, these kids are nasty too. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so yeah, we have to make sure and take that into account. Uh, but we've also trying to uh, been trying to address the SEL, social and emotional learning. So, as Dr. Cantu was talking about that. Uh, that human interaction is, is very important, especially with primary school students. So we're, we as well as other school districts in the North Texas are looking into some type of clear covering that a student can still see the face and inter interaction of the, of the, uh, of the teacher so they can get that, you know, right. not, not verbal feedback. Um, I just thought of something just right now, but Will water fountains be accessible or not? I mean, I, I just thought about that. What about I'm thirsty? Can I go get water? What? A absolutely not. <laughs> 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 uh oh, parents, parents, listen up. 
no water. So bring <laughs> bring your a, water bottles. A jug, yeah. Water bottle. Please I mean, it, it, it's something just as small as that. You know, that's just an everyday. Can I go get you know get some water? You know, you give them a hall pass to go and and they come back. Now there's no there's no water. You know, um, Mr. Torres, how does like you gotta go you go to the bathroom? Like you have to. How does that look? You have you a child from one student. I mean, from one class and children from another class. I mean, is, is there like a? It I'm, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm asking. So. <laughs> So for water fountains, uh, I know other school districts are doing the same thing, that they're retrofitting their water fountains to be those water refill stations. Um, so we're purchasing like 150 or so of those brand new water fountains to replace, and we're trying to get that knocked out. And But so are other school districts, uh, not only in North Texas, but nationwide. So there's, there's going to be a, a shortage. So we're trying to work around like portable water coolers or something like that to have in the classroom to be able to provide water to the students. Um, and I know for primary school students also, they have uh, the lower grades also have their own classroom restroom that they can share, whether it's shared with like one other classroom. Um, and I yeah. see that very common, like for pre-K, first graders, things like that. Um, and we're just going to have, have to increase the frequency of cleaning of those bank restrooms where like if an entire class comes in and has to use the restroom all at once, we're going to have to clean it between the restroom uses. Right. Uh, wow. Well, I, like things of like adding partitions in between the hand washing sinks in the restroom as well. Well, and that's a question that I have, and this is really going to come later in the show, but it's almost later in the show now. Um, what happens when a child comes down with COVID symptoms in the middle of the day. And you asked David with the, you know, water fountains, you know, the children are not going to stay necessarily in all districts in the classroom the whole day. There's some districts that are saying that they can go to lunch. Some are saying that they're going to eat in their classroom. Some are going to say they can go to recess. So are they going to have to track where these children were? And, you know, there will be, you know, did this child go to the bathroom? Did this child go to the nurse, the library, all of those things to make sure that those places are cleaned and not touched by other students? How kind of is that going to work? Nobody wants to well, talk. Somebody, to right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, is I'm that answer? You go first. <laughs> I'll go first? Okay. Uh, Please, don't answer I, it once, guys. Just, just hold on, hold on. We'll get to you, okay? <laughs> that's, that's supposed to be curriculum instruction, right? Uh, I, I can just tell you that that uh, David Wright, who's our uh, um, assistant superintendent of student services, and, and his team, which has a director of safety and security, director of nursing, uh, they've been walking with principals um, and, and talking about some of the things that, that were just mentioned before by, by Mr. Bailey about, you know, how do we, how do they use the restroom? How do they, how do they go to lunch? How do they do this? They've, they've been mapping all that out with groups of principals so that they have all the right brains and, and, and they're developing their plans kind of consistent to their footprint of their building. So we kind of have, uh, multiple campuses on the same footprint within our district. So they've been going through, through like that. As far as what happens to a student in the middle of the day, some of that is very specifically laid out uh, by TEA. By if you have a, if you have a case, you have to have a there's specific PPE that a nurse or a nurse's age has to be isolated with that single kid. You have to have a room set up for that until the parent comes uh, to is able to come and get them. 
So some of that's laid out. Other other pieces of it are kind of they they developed a flow chart in our district of if this then then that if this then that, mm-hmm. uh, and that by by no means is a finalized document as uh, guidelines from Tarrant County. Uh, Tarrant County Health change from TEA change from the CDC change uh, that will that will be updated uh, as we go. But exactly what you're talking about of where has this kid been? What may they have been in contact with? What you know because we have our scheduled deep cleaning, but what may need to be done right now? Uh, we we've the, all those plans are developed, but are, I would say being revised, uh, at this time and just gone over and over and over again. And I would say for districts across, I mean, across the whole state, I mean, ever we're all developing right. these low charts, these process maps. I mean, there might be some slight variance in, in the details just because of, you know, the individualized districts, but I mean, we're all looking at each other's and communicating, right. Right. cheating off of each other, whatever you want to call it, because we're all in this together and we're all facing the same thing. And so there's a lot of sharing of information and, and a lot of talking back and forth amongst districts as we are all trying to, to set up the best processes for our students. Yeah. And somebody online just said, you know, what, it, <laughs> and this is the conundrum that we as parents have and as, you know, administrators is how are we going to tell the difference between a sniffle that's a cold or allergies or flu, which, you know, we don't want anybody to get a flu, but or any of those other things. But, you know, how are you going to know if a kid sneezes in the middle of class or has a coughing fit? Uh, Do they have COVID? Do they get sent home because they particularly have a deadly disease? Or, you know, I'm not saying I want an answer to that because it sounds like we don't know. (laughs) Well, I do. Uh, (laughs) Oh, you do? (laughs) Yes, we need answers. Uh, No, no. So to, to, you know, piggyback off of Dr. Scantu and Scott, you know, they, these are ongoing things and the unknown variable, I think Dr. Mr. Bailey will like that. Uh, we're, there are so many unknown variables right now. Right. And the fact of the matter is, and this is just my opinion, uh, there, there is no 100% guarantee. Right. Um, you know, and we are, we are going to do our best. We are all doing our best. And Dr. Harry Wong said it best still. We are stealing, we are looking at plans um, you know, I know people are looking at our plan. Um, it's just the way to go. And sometimes we're waiting for someone to say, hey, I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, if, if ever there was a time where education is unified yes, and, and, and we're unified in thought because we all adore children and we all adore teachers, we go step into administration. That's what you do to support these entities of, of a larger entity and organization. Um, but when you think about what Mr. Torres has to do and our facilities people uh-huh. across the board, um, there was never a time that I can recall being a student or even since um, uh, Horace Mann started this notion of education um, that every component of the organization is linked together, but not just in in our respective districts, but across the board. We are engrossed in a pandemic that affects us all. When someone asks me, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. You know, I have my issues, but you know, we all have them. You know, so mine aren't special than more special than anybody else's. That means that, that's because we all have the same issue. And I can't right. imagine a time in education where 
where it, that was the case. And so, um, you know, but if I'm being quite frank, um, there is no one way to answer that. Um, you know, we can have all the PPEs in the world and we will, the state has done a good job and we'll, we'll get those, but you know, I don't envy Mr. Torres. I'll tell you that, um, you know, um, his job is vitally important and, and people in similar positions across, across the state and across the country. Uh, we're just trying to figure out, and that's an important point. What is the sniffle? You know, right. you know, wh- why are you coughing? You know, I look at my wife, you know, when she coughs, Hey, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> what is that? You know, you know, just making sure, you know, sorry, I don't mean any harm, but you know, um, we're taking our vitamin C left and right, but you know, we, so, you know, we have to deal with, you know, we have to think about what if that happens. And so, you know, the hysteria that might come from that, you know, and, and as you know, we have these plans that say, Hey, well, you got to stay there for the whole year or you have to do that for six weeks. You know, can we really hold our parents to that if they, you know, choose a, a, the in-school option and, and they get wind that somebody was sick and all we have to do is have a kindergarten baby say someone got sick, mm. but what does that oh, mean? Well. And so now there's a, now there's hysteria and there's trauma and as a campus leader, now I'm getting calls and emails and, you know, well, I'm shooting them up the chain, but, um, you know, <laughs> we're all, all trying to figure this out. We're all trying to figure this out. And so again, we're, we're waiting and, and we're looking at each other's plans and there are a lot of brilliant educators devising these plans. Our brilliant superintendents across the state uh, are meeting collectively and we're just, you know, we're all waiting. But again, that, that stuff is changing every day. And so, um, uh, you know, again, the unknown, the unknown variables, Mr. Bailey, help yes. us figure it out. <laughs> well, we have... We have ahead, we have quite a few people online from MISD, and they are begging me to ask about uh, Tarrant County. Um, I will say that I asked the same thing before we got on the call, and I was told that there will be a noon conference call that they are waiting to get the official um, decision from the state. Is that correct, Dr. Cantu? We're waiting to get uh, the order from Tarrant County. Okay. And, and I can tell you while we're sitting here, I just received an email. So I haven't had time. I mean, it's, this is happening in real time right now. And so um, as soon as the podcast, we're finished with the podcast, we'll review um, the document and um, see, see exactly what that means for us for municipal ISD. Okay. Thank you. They've been begging. Please, 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 please have her like, answer. Literally, it just came in just right now in my email so stay tuned we wow. will know soon wow <laughs> they may know more than us right at right this moment <laughs> right exactly <laughs> somebody tell us what's happening out there we have every plan to communicate with our our families today and uh, with our staff today but we we need to sit down and and look at it in detail and make sure that everything we communicate is is accurate and is as written in what we just received okay perfect yeah um, we have had a couple of questions about how IEPs and 504s and SPED students uh, will be handled. We've got three different districts that are um, represented here, and it'll be different wherever you are. Um, so they can only speak to what's happening at their district. So I can briefly and kind of fairly easily answer that question. Um, at a couple of different intervals that, uh, during the year, our special education department um, led by Lisa Shockley has sent out notification of the parents, um, you know, making themselves available to answer questions. And then as well as um, 
offering to, if, if need be, revisit their uh, individual education plan and, and if, if need be, do that through the ARD, ARD process. Um, so we're going to uh, do our best to provide uh, the free and public education for, for most kids. They'll be able to do that through either either setting. It does it does create a challenge in, you know, every time you, you, you split kiddos up, you're looking at English learners, you're looking at gifted and talented, you're looking uh rti 504 special ed so as you split the two groups up into online and um in person how are you how are you uh moving staff or positioning staff to be able to serve all of those those models uh now some for some of our our kids with with uh more uh profound needs uh those are longer conversations that are best served um on a one-on-one -on -one basis uh, and we will uh we will have we'll have those one on one. Those we're, we've reached we're reaching out to uh, specifically to those families, um, but we're just now to the point where we have enough information um, because, as you know, a lot of this changed over uh, about seven eight days ago. Uh, kind of changed what our model what our model was going to look like. Mm -hmm. uh, it got us from the state, and so we're we're beginning to 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 reach out to those families and really look at what the, the best um, way to serve their kids. And there's a good chance that whatever's in that order from uh, Tarrant County today is going to uh, impact those services as well. But we will provide the services to the kids uh, as, as are needed because you don't change the kid to the services. You decide the need of the kid and then you find out the way to deliver the services. That's the way the whole system is set up. So. Okay. Um, another question that's coming in from online and a question we also had, but um, Dave, I don't know about you. I'm kind of throwing my, my, my cue cards away here because <laughs> we've got so many questions from let's online. Let's go. Hey, hey, let's, let's dive in. <laughs> um, I wanted to know kind of what is, this is such a new normal for all of us. I don't know if I can even call it normal, but so kind of walk me through what a day would look like. I'm going to drop my kid off at school and what's that going to look like and then what will it look like for uh for the students as well so i mean maybe mr darden's the best answer to this but i would say for an in in-person kiddo uh, um aside from the social distancing and 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 uh, safety precautions your day wouldn't look schedule wise that much different uh than when you're than when everybody's there uh, the, the challenge is building for us is building the schedule of appropriate um, screen time and, and, and instructional uh, delivery method for our for our online kids. That, that, that's the one that's giving us the uh, that we're putting most of our energy into. Well, I was saying, the reason why I asked that is because I, I had seen that there is going to be staggered drop off time. So, you know, normally we have all the kids kind of converging on school at school at the same time, which isn't safe uh, during a pandemic. So how's that going to change and and what other changes will be happening at your schools? Well, uh, again, ongoing um, evolution of these processes. Um, but the first thing that we'll do is we will check in temperatures mm. um, and students will have uh, breakfast in the classroom, you know, from an allotted time. Now, let's say school starts at eight and from eight to eight thirty is breakfast in the classroom. Um, obviously, following social distancing, um, we have to measure our classrooms. This is what I'm doing today um, with our facilities uh, director. 
uh, to see how many kids we're going to actually fit into classrooms because the people who make these decisions are apparently aren't educators. Um, mm. <laughs> if they think you can social distance 28 kids in the classroom. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, and then we transition again, you know, as our model, we're doing social emotional learning first. And what does that look like? Are we going to use a program uh, to help tap into that? Because again, we have to focus on the trauma first and foremost, mm. but it also comes into you know, what, how are we instructing? So then they have that virtual time. A teacher is going to present the lesson, whether you're at home or whether you're um, in school. And so you're tapped into your uh, device. But again, we have to look at the data and we know that that's not a, uh, a great thing for kids to just be sitting there for long periods of time looking at a screen. And so, you know, the teacher gives a direct instruction. And so that taps into how are we instructing? How are we making sure our kids get our lessons? And so, you know, as opposed to, you know, the, the knowledge base and the, and the remember base of the Bloom's taxonomy, you know, we have to switch, I think, to, you know, the analyze and the creativity even more so than we've ever done it before. And so we're addressing the Maslow's uh, uh, hierarchy of needs uh, first and foremost, and then we're transitioning into the project-based learning, the creativity piece of instruction, because again, our teachers never should have been sitting there talking for 30, 45 minutes to students anyway. But now it is a concentrated effort to make certain that our kids are, you know, they have a schedule, but they're not, it's not structured, not brick and mortar like it used to be, you know, so and such time. And then we do this. No, we need to take frequent brain breaks. Um, you know, again, that genius hour that we're devising is, you know, what do you care about? And now you can research what you care about and then create a project based off of that, you know? And so that genius hour is the thing that really taps into what our kids care about right now. And so again, as we rethink and reimagine, you know, that's the process we have to, however we decide whether we stagger them or not, you know, the temperature check is first and foremost. We go to their classroom, um, you know, eat for 30 minutes, then we get on virtually that teacher led, and then we log off or, you know, we continue to work for X amount of time, and then we break to brain break, um, you know, and then we get back on and maybe switch subjects. And then, you know, there's another brain break, and then there's lunch, um, then there's enrichment time still. You know, we're still not getting away from enrichment because we know how much that matters. Um, then there's the enrichment time, and then there's lunch. Recess is not going to be the same because, you know, it's just not right now. Um, what, what is that? You know, Do you know what that means yet, or is that still being figured out? As what far as recess. recess means, mm -hmm. I just know it's not what it's typically been known to be. Um, because again, when you're dealing with kids, what is social distancing to them? It's not. Um, it's just not a thing. Uh, so we have to impress that upon them. You know, but when we get them outside to play, well, kids are going to play, and you know that's part of that um, emotional development, social emotional development. But how do we? You know, how, how do we do that? And so, yes, that is still in the works. Um, but then again, create more enrichment hour and blocking off a lot of that time for intervention and kids who might need a little more time because, again, we're not structured. And as Mr. Bailey was saying, you know, the babies who were, and I think that's across the board because I've had kids who, you know, extra attention, um, you know, they've done very, very well virtually, hmm. um, you know, where they had issues within the classroom and in the school. 
but uh, no such issues now, but they have grown academically. And so, um, you know, that that's, that's where we are. But again, allotting that time for kids who, you know, can't finish that in that 30 minutes and, and are not going to have someone at home to supervise their homework. And so and embedding time within that schedule. And so it's going to be structured. It's not going to be very, it's not going to be rigid as it we've known it to be, because again, there's opportunities here to be innovative, uh, to look at school completely different. And then even post COVID, preferably that's sooner rather than later. But again, the things that we're implementing now, we're going to continue. And I think that's across the board uh, after this COVID is over, because we've had some great minds come together across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we're again, we're stealing ideas, but I don't think that's just a COVID thing. I think it'll be <laughs> present after COVID. Yeah. Because it's given us the opportunity to do it differently. Yeah. Um, and I, I know the plans are still being um, put together, but I'd love to know a little bit about the online models that you guys are planning. Um, I've seen asynchronous and synchronous and, um, I'm not sure exactly what that means in this case. Um, and then as well, what would the rigor be like? I, I noticed that the emergency distance learning, um, the rigor was not, um, what I would have liked it to be for my students and where they were. And I know that, you know, we were just trying, trying to put something together and doing the best that we can with a, a, an impossible situation. But how has that changed with having the opportunity to plan for a couple months and really put together a strong system for online learning? I'd like to let Dr. Scott and I, I just, but I have to say this before he, before he uh, launches into his detailed explanation. He and his team have spent a, a tremendous amount of time working and planning for this this very very thing, and so um, I just a shout out to him and to all the other curriculum and instruction departments and, and leaders across the state and and wherever you may be listening, because that's been their 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 charge and their challenge has been to develop these amazing online learning opportunities for our kids, and so I want to turn it over to him though to let him share what's happening in Mansfield. So uh, this is gonna this is gonna look a little bit different uh, by the age of the child, by kind of the grade level that, that they're in uh, for us. And we're still developing our, our final schedules, but uh, I, j- I just wanna say, you know, you're not alone in your confusion over synchronous and asynchronous. And, <laughs> and uh, TA did not, uh, they've done a lot to support us uh, during this time, but they did not do anybody any favor when they, when they link the method of taking attendance for funding to the method of, of instruction, those two things, funding and instructional methods should never be in the same sentence. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, they, they've made them inseparable. Um, so really when you hear a, a, that a district's doing an asynchronous plan, asynchronous means that uh, Mr. Bailey was talking about recording uh, videos for his kids. Well, those can be watched whenever. They don't have to be done when Mr. Bailey's recording them, making them by definition asynchronous. Um, and so districts will, districts, all districts, I would assume, will be filing an asynchronous plan uh, of some sort uh, for funding and attendance purposes. But they will all have components of synchronous instruction with them. There's no way to teach a first grader how to read without getting three or four first graders in front of that teacher and so that she can hear 
uh, how their blooms are. She can hear what their how their phonetical sounds are going, and she can correct them. She can show them where they need to place their tongue so that they they hear it as they say it correctly, and they associate it with what's on the page and the pictures that are there. All that's important. All that brain research doesn't change just because a kid is online now instead of sitting in front of the teacher. So for a kinder, for so for our elementary kids, uh, they'll mainly be uh, self-contained. They'll have one teacher, and they'll be designated blocks of 50, 40 minutes for each subject. That doesn't mean that a teacher, as Mr. Darden was saying, is going to be speaking to them for 40 minutes. There may be uh, 10 minutes of whole group instruction, followed by her sometime. Uh, we got a reading with the kiddo with with three or four kiddos. And in a normal classroom, those other kids would be at stations that that reinforce those skills that they've been working on that day or that maybe that particular kid needs to work on. All that stuff will continue to happen in a in a virtual environment. It's just we got to work out the logistics of how that exactly how that works for a kid. So for an elementary for the core classes, uh, they'll have those blocks of time. Uh, and then we're working on how we're going to deliver the PE, how we're going to deliver the music, the uh, tech apps, classes, that type of stuff. For as you kind of get up into middle school, those kids have a schedule and, the, and they will they'll follow uh, those schedules. So all of our core classes in Mansfield uh, will be taught face to face by a teacher. Uh, so you will have uh, you will have seventh grade English at this time for this period for this amount of time. Uh, and you'll know where to go if you're online. Uh, for some of your elective classes, it may look a little bit different. That may be a little bit more asynchronous, depending upon how we're able to, because our elective teachers will kind of have to live in both worlds. In Mansfield, we're trying not to make our algebra teacher teach online classes and in-person classes because the, the method of instruction is is different. And so some smaller districts, they don't, they don't, may not have that luxury, but we're trying to trying to stay away from that. From high school, it's gonna be a heck of a mix. Um, we have, for our EOC classes, we're gonna to try to deliver that direct instruction of you're in this class at this time with this Mansfield ISD teacher. Uh, for our, uh, we have a ton of kids uh, take TCC uh, courses uh, uh, more than any more than anywhere else, uh, more than very large districts combined around us. Uh, and so those classes are being offered virtual by, T by TCC. So those will look the same for our quote, in-person kids or our virtual kids. And then we will have uh, in-person options for our CTE and, and the electives. If, if football is allowed to go on, a student will be allowed to come for band or football if they choose to. And then finally, we will have uh, some edgenuity courses, uh, which is a, uh, an online, um, platform for students to be able to take courses that'll be monitored by an MISD teacher that's certified in that area because it's original credit, but not all the instruction. So a social studies teacher who's a composite certification may monitor multiple social studies subjects for kids. Uh, their class load may be a little bit bigger, but they won't be developing uh, two to three preps a day as they normally would in person. So it's, it's kind of a world of those trade-offs uh, because what we want to do, if we don't take the time and figure that out, then what we have to do is reduce the offerings. We could we could do the schedule real quick. We could say everybody's taking these eight classes at this time and we're done. You know, I hope you all like it. 
but that is that that's not uh, what we're doing. We're trying to maintain the offerings that make a comprehensive uh, public school experience so um, uh, appealing because you know we have thirty five thousand almost 36,000 kids and they all have, uh, they're all going very and want to go very different places in life. And it's our job to facilitate them being able to get there. Uh, so that's where the complication lies. I hope I kind of helped uh, understand kind of where they would go during the day. Uh, but an elementary kid, just to assure parents, is not going to be on their screen from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. Exactly what Mr. Darden right. said. There are brain breaks. They're not listening to a teacher from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. in in person. Uh, that's that's mixed in and out. We just got to figure out how to do that. We do need the kids available during that time so that we can we know we can we can get them in the right session with the right teacher or the right small group uh, throughout the day. And we'll, when we publish that schedule, that'll give parents a little bit better idea of if I need to go pick up lunch for my kid, when's the best time to do that? Uh, if, you know, just because the schools will be providing it, or if, if I need to take this meeting, this is the best time that I, you know, I know I'm not going to be helping my kid at this time. Uh, we'll have that. We just don't have all of that specificity uh, today. Um, Mr. Darden, did you want to address what's kind of going to happen at DeSoto regarding yes. online? Um, first, I want to commend Dr. Scott uh, for his explanation. A lot of that is across the board. Mm. Um, but I really want to uh, reiterate uh, the ridiculous notion of tying um, asynchronous and synchronous um, learning into funding. Uh, that is absolutely preposterous. Uh, it's, a, it's absurd. It's offensive um, for everything that we do. Uh, with that being said, in, in DeSoto, again, I'm going to focus on the positives of covid um, what it did for DeSoto was it brought about, you know, a collective. Uh, the consortium of talent was brought together um, in a common cause abruptly. Um, but then over the summer, you know, and anyone who had, takes issue with what educators do or don't do, uh, you're sadly mistaken. Uh, what is a vacation? Uh, I know some teachers, most of the teachers in our district didn't take any time off because and principals either, uh, for that matter, and central administration either, for that matter, uh, for trying to perfect this system. Um, and, you know, when we're looking at uh, thinking about our engagement, uh, that's the that's the at the forefront of what we're doing here. And again, when we think about the facilities, again, it's, it's almost August and, you know, we're just starting to look around and, and look at our facilities and, and measure them and, you know, some people might have done it sooner, but we're focusing on the instructional piece because we know that therein lies often the difference between success and failure. And so, again, on the elementary level, no one is is looking at, um, you know, a computer screen or middle school with a computer screen. You know, we're providing opportunities for kids to uh, take a hold of their uh, education. Um, but how do we do that? We have to tap into their interests. Uh, we have to, you know, make culturally responsive uh, pedagogy. We're creating curriculum. We're design, redesigning uh, curriculum um, because there's an opportunity to do so. And that's something that our superintendent, Dr. DeAndre Weaver, has tasked us with doing. And he's given us the free will. Of course, we operate in antiques. 
uh, which are our standards. Um, and so everything that we do is predicated around the standards. And so when we talk about being culturally responsive, that, that goes across uh, ethnicities. It's the culture that you serve. Um, but it's the exciting kids about education in school. Um, in these unprecedented times, um, you know, we're looking at what incites kids, what engages kids. And so, you know, we're looking at that more than we ever have. And we're doing it as a collective. Teachers aren't isolated. Um, you know, when we think about asynchronous and synchronous, uh, we're looking at the, you know, for lack of a better term, the, 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 the most talented teachers across the, the district to uh, deliver that um, uh, live instruction or and record that instruction. And then we're looking at teachers to facilitate that. And then there's also the availability. Uh, we fully understand that um, if our parents are working, um, you know, and again, I, I will say this one more time is that, you know, if there was ever a time that all stakeholders in the child's education have to be present for the success of their students, mm. um, it's, it's now. Right. Um, parent involvement and engagement is not a choice. Um, and we do understand that a, a grandmother who might have to keep the kids, you know, and this is not offense. I love grandmamas. Please don't, 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 don't slaughter me. Um, I was raised by my grandmother, but, you know, one that might not be as technologically savvy and have right. to keep the parent, you know, have to keep the child, you know, that parent has to go to work and has to get off. Well, there's no way a kindergartner to, to allude to uh, Dr. Scott's point again, you know, if you're teaching the sounds, you know, it, typically you're in front of that kid. So, you know, the parent has to be there to say, to look at the, the, the lesson and then, look at their student and say, oh, hey, well, sound this out. Are you making the correct sounds and enunciations? And, you know, are you doing what was said? And so there's no way um, that the parent can always be there. And so, you know, we're having those type of, of, of methods. Uh, we're incorporating to make sure that all our kids from across the board, and I wouldn't want to get into uh, Dr. Sean, uh, Mr. Sean Joseph's, our high school principal's realm, but he's working diligently. There's 3,000 students in a high school. Um, and so that's a district within itself. And so, um, you know, but everybody is working diligently in DeSoto. But again, the kids are at the forefront and that's that's not unique to DeSoto. Everybody is thinking about what's in the best interest of all stakeholders. Um, but um, it's, there's still works in progress and we stay in constant communication, as Dr. Cantu said, you know, that we have to because um, we know our parents are thinking about what's going on. And, you know, as things change. Uh, we have to keep parents abreast to what's happening. Um, but, um, you know, I applaud all educators across the state, across this country. Um, you know, first and foremost, our teachers, they are phenomenal. Um, the work that they're putting in uh, across the board, uh, you know, we're, we're just all trying to do what's in the best interest. Again, it's something that is unprecedented, uh, but great minds are, are coming together. Uh, again, we're stealing ideas left and right. I know I am. Um, and, and, you know, there's just brilliance across the board and that educational brilliance is shining through. And you see, regardless of, as my friend and colleague, Michael Bland said, regardless of a national board and leadership, um, we are, as educators, we are a collective. We are banding together like never before uh, because we have to. And so, again, I applaud everyone on this call and everyone who's listening and educators everywhere. It's just, it's just a fantastic thing we do. I've always been impressed by educators and I'm even more so now. 
Mr. Darn, and I love that you said that, you know, all stakeholders need to come together. And I know that, that you know, there are a lot of parents listening right now. And I've spoken to some parents and I've been one of those parents that's been overwhelmed with online learning. Um, there's some parents that are considering this choice and still have, you know, time to do to consider whether or not they're going to do that. Some of them work at home. Some of them don't understand the content that's being given to their their students. Uh, and can't help them. Some of them have multiple students in different grade levels. I know we have one friend that has six kids that are school aged, and uh, she dropped out. <laughs> she said we're we're done for the semester in the spring, and she you know decided to homeschool or whatever she did. So there we are all in various levels of um, handling this. So what would you say to parents that are concerned about the online learning and um, just not knowing how we're going to handle it. Are you asking me? Anybody that wants to answer. Uh, breathe. <laughs> I uh, love that. You know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're in this together. And that's what I told my, my people, my, not just my teachers, but also my parents. Breathe. We're going to walk you through this. And at the end of the day, again, we're not, you know, we're, we're having plans and, and, and we're doing what we, feel is in the best interest of our students, but breathe. And, you know, at the end of the day, when all of this is, is, is history, prayerfully again, sooner rather than later, um, we'll have accelerated learning. We'll have plans to uh, 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 pre-assess, post-assess, universal screeners, um, and we'll reinvent and reimagine even after this to make sure, and this data is going to have to be tracked for years to come. This is not a quick fix. We have to track every single student to, you know, to identify gaps, uh, alleviate them. Um, and so, again, breathing is the best thing. But again, constant communication with our teachers, constant administration uh, communication from administration. Don't give up. Don't drop out. And I know how difficult that can be, um, especially when you're not the the you're. Here's what I tell my teachers and my staff. Don't let this time minimize what you do. Everyone can't just walk in the classroom and teach. Um, that's why they trust us. That's why they drop their students off um, for us. And they trust us with their kids learning. We understand the difficulty. So breathing and understanding is at the forefront of what we all need to do. Be patient with one another. If you have questions, just ask, utilize the quorum at all times, um, but we're gonna figure this out together. Um, our superintendent last year, our motto was together we will. And I, you know, as intelligent as he is, I don't think that he understood how profound that statement was going to end up being, um, you know? Uh, and, and so together we will do this. We will accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Uh, we will maintain as best we can during this time. And then when there is opportunity and when this is over with, uh, we'll have accelerated instruction. We'll have accelerated intervention. We'll identify where kids are. And again, I, 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 uh, I'm assuming that that's going to pass going to be across the board. It's not a foolproof system. Um, but again, we're doing what we the best we can in unprecedented times. And so just again, just breathe and understand that we are in this together across the, the globe. 
And all of us on the call are parents. So I would love to, you know, just kind of hear from y'all's perspective as parents, you know, what you're having to educate your children as well, although you are educators. But, you know, David is an educator as well. And, you know, we both were struggling this this uh, spring in um, helping our kids because we're not their normal teachers and uh, we're under different circumstances. We didn't choose to homeschool. We were forced to homeschool. And so, you know, it was it was difficult for us, too. So love to hear from you guys as parents and educators. You know, I can I can say for me, I have a um, I have a daughter entering into fifth grade and um, yeah, the spring the spring was, was not easy for me as a parent either. My husband and I both work. Um, and I am not, uh, she was in fourth grade in the spring and, you know, I was an English teacher. I have a, degree, a couple of degrees in English. And so fourth grade math, man, it looks different than it used to look. So I lean heavily, <laughs> heavily on the expert, uh, the experts, uh, from her class, the classroom, because, um, yeah, we, we needed that help, but I, um, you know, going back to, to what Mr. Garden said, you know, breathe. But, you know, there's a we had a former colleague, too, that Dr. Scott and I worked with. And the statement she always said was, you know, whatever you what parent I would say to parents, whatever you do right now is right. Mm. So this is a different this is a situation we've never been in before. And so she used to tell us whatever you do right now is right. And so we're all doing the best that we can. Our personal family situations, structures, all of that. There's a thousand different varieties of that right now. Whatever you do is right. Lean, lean into it, lean into the the teachers and the the classroom experts, ask questions and, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. We'll get on the other side of it. We'll do assessments. We'll, you know, get kiddos exactly where they need to be. And we'll do, we'll do as, as the educators, when we have all of our kiddos back in the building, we're going to do the very best job that we can do to take our kids where they are and get them where they need to be. That brought tears to my eyes. (laughs) Whatever you do is right. (laughs) My baby girl is my heart. Mm. I am an elementary principal right now. She was in third grade. God bless all teachers, but really bless third grade teachers. (laughs) There is something. I don't know what it is, but God bless her teachers because it's just different. Um, And, you know, uh, again, I I, I don't ever want to, in in my my teaching experience is, is middle school. That's my niche. That's my forte. I love middle school. Um, but elementary is not my thing and definitely third grade is not my thing. Um, and so when I tell people to breathe, I'm telling them to breathe because I've had to breathe. I'm not just telling you that I'm telling you from experience. And again, that's my baby. Nothing I won't do for her. I just don't want to teach her. And so I'm going to, um, uh, and so that's what, as a parent, again, I, I understand the frustration. That's not my forte. Like Dr. Kent said, that's not. If you're English and now you're forced to teach math, well, you know, here we are. Um, and again, it has changed over the years. And I've had to tell my daughter, um, you know, Carrie, what do you, Carrie? That's how I learned it. And she's like, no, my teacher didn't say do that. You know, I'm like, okay, well, I, I thought I know how to do it. All I like to do is tell you how to do it. Is the answer right? Okay, the answer is right. Because my, te- my teachers were fantastic. That's why I'm here. Um, and so, um, you know, I one. think all parents are, and you yeah. are, 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 feel the same, uh, whether you're an educator, 
um, or, or not. Uh, parenting is parenting. And so shout out to all the parents who've had to adjust during this time. And I'm, I'm going to put in a plug real quick for our episode about the new math. Um, I believe that was a, a Mansfield ISD teacher as well. We did an episode yes. about understanding the new math. So go back and look at that or listen to that on yeah. whatever podcast <laughs> platform you want. It was very helpful. Concrete, sequential. I bet you heard that about a thousand times. Huh? <laughs> abstract, concrete, sequential, sequential to abstract. There you yeah. go. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to, um, I'm sorry, I had to. I have three children that I love so preciously. I had to go take, I had to go address that for a second, but I'm back. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that um, as a teacher, when all this hit back in the springtime, um, I intentionally gave my students a little bit less work. Um, mm. That and, and it, it killed me, especially being an algebra and geometry teacher at the most critical time of the year. We're going into you know, all the all the you know slopes and quadratic form all that other stuff but and the reason why and for dr scott this this something to as you're working with the campuses and and mr darden and everyone as well as um is because i knew the other teachers were going to slam them with work and that's exactly mm -hmm. what happened my, my my babies they said mr paley we're, we're being killed they are killing us it, it was it was it felt like it was like double the work you know watch a you know a, a, a whole lesson and then do an hour or two you know, per day per assignment, um, but helping um, as an educator because my kids were already used to it with me, so it was it was an easy transition. But I I took a step back because then I saw because none of the other teachers where I were at least weren't used to the virtual learning, and so it was like a whoo, it was a you know just overkill of content, um, and that leads to overwhelm um, and kids sure. saying you know I'm just going to you know. I'm done um, as well. And so uh, uh, is asking and helping to manage and balance um, the work. And if you have multiple kids, like we had three kids on at once and I'm trying to, it's like revolving chairs trying to, you know, for my own kids, trying to get them going. And we did a morning session for our kids. And then I taught in the afternoons, you know, with my students, you know, so we had to kind of juggle it out with that schedule with my wife. Um, but just that it, what, what is critical and for parents anywhere is just to ask, you know, um, the, the level of content, if it's virtually that it is not going to be overwhelmed because it, it can be a lot um, as well. And so that's just something to take into consideration um, um, as we're going forward. And I think about that now I got to do maybe an entire year's instruction virtually, you know, just how does that look um, as well? So just, just from, from a teacher standpoint, um, and, I'm, and I'm sure there's a parents that can attest to, you know, like it was, it was sometimes it could be, it could be very, very high, you know, just quantity of content um, as well. So just a. Right. And I guess I get. Go ahead. Uh oh, he's frozen. Uh oh. What just happened? Can everybody still hear me? Give me a yes. We can hear you. Looks like all my guests are frozen. <laughs> This has never happened before. Okay. Thank you, Jennifer. Okay. It looks like I'm going to have to reboot this call here. So sorry. Things happen now. We usually have people just in our studio and with technology. Um, We're plugged in the handbook. Uh-oh. Hopefully they will connect again. Yes, I'm still live. Okay. the ball forward. 
every year. You know, we, we've improved our, our, we've shown gains amongst all student groups in almost every single category from advanced academics to special ed every year. Can I stop so, you guys for a second? Uh-huh. I apologize. Uh, so my computer, <laughs> the Zoom call froze you guys. They could only hear me. So I hope you weren't saying anything brilliant there, Dr. Scott, was, because was, nobody. It was the most profound statement he's, that's been said on the entire show. I don't think I can get it back. Either. I know. I was about to say, I don't know if you can repeat that. It was it was a gem in the making. He was, he was breaking it down. I mean, I was just holding my heart. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they're laughing at us online too. Oh, okay, so rewind <laughs> rewind like three minutes. <laughs> Cause oh, all, all they could it was pretty much after right after you started talking, Dr. Scott, all they could hear was me. I oh, think it's like the old thing about breaking the camera, huh? You know <laughs> Help him. So what all, did he say? <laughs> all I was all I was saying was, you know, uh, Mr. Bailey had talked about uh, balance uh, and, and not overwhelming kids. And so I, I, I'd, I'd mentioned that we, at the beginning of the, of the year, the beginning of the summer, we early on talked about changes to our grading guidelines uh, and not reducing the rigor, but but lessening the load a little bit, uh, which in those grading guidelines will be in both um, online and in person, they'll be the same. Uh, but, you know, really we've got to refocus on uh, – the teaks, uh, as Mr. Darden mentioned, are already a mile wide and an inch deep. And so we already have to work really hard at, at, at focusing those teaks on what our kids really need to know. And then, you know, we only have like three district-wide assessments in each in each of our major subjects uh, each year to, to kind of as meters to make sure our kids are knowing mm -hmm. what we want and make sure that our curriculum is doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, so a, a moment ago, I was talking about our, our we have a district-wide we have a district-wide curr curriculum written by our teachers and our our uh, instructional coaches and coordinators and our instructional coaches and coordinators and some teachers have been working all summer and our teachers we just had 900 teachers go through a, a voluntary training last week um, for online instruction they've been making the adjustments and kind of kind of re re uh, metering that curriculum over what needs to be taught when, what the instructional met, what instructional methods need to be different. That was, hey, Mr. Bailey, that's that's exactly that's awesome. what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to play it off. If you guys are just listening to the podcast, one of my my our middle child just peeped behind uh, uh, David and went to the bathroom. So. <laughs> He had oh. heard enough of me. He's like, he. I've already heard this while ago. I heard it live. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is this is real talk. This this is life. This is life. Yeah. I'm at home <laughs> with three kids. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, but I would just say that. So we're doing all these. We're we're making these real steps to make things better. Okay, and and I would just right. say that that I would ask that our communities. Um, realize that we're going to make mistakes, uh, but also realize that if you followed our progress over the last several years, you've seen for, you know, every student group from AP, you know, all the way down to, to our, to our lowest learners, our curriculum works, our processes works, our continuous improvement processes works, and we are attacking this opportunity in the same way that that we're attacking that we attack those those other pieces of student achievement. So we may see a dip, 
but that doesn't mean that we failed. It means that we have a new baseline and that we're going to continue to work with them. Um, and so we, you know, I don't want to be here in five years, but if we were here in five years, we'd be back where we, you know, we would, we would be so much better. Uh, we, we would make giant gains and, and you see these plateaus and then you see these jumps and, you know, that's just the way the change theory works. That's the way that learning works. Um, you have to have past experiences and, and, and then you build on those and you improve. So in a weird sense, we, I, we walk out a lot of times and we look at each other and we're like, we go through these weird times of, man, we are, we are jacked up and excited because we've had this new challenge and then boy, just the, the tired hit shit, you know, and then, and you're like, oh my gosh, he changed something. And then you, and then you build back up. And so this is kind of re-energized a bit to Mr. Carr's uh, point, but we will get better at this and we'll, we'll be better in the fall than we were in the spring. And if we're still here in the spring, we'll be better in the spring than we were in the fall. Mm. Uh, we're just getting, we're getting better. That's, that's what we can do. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I wanted to ask Mr. Torres real quick. Um, is, is there a comparable type of support community of uh, people in comparable positions across districts and how you guys are preparing and, and adjusting um and also like for example i know in charter districts it's, it's carpools uh but in public schools um it could be public transportation sometimes it could also be the buses you know as well and so i'm just thinking about you know um how, how are how are you getting support you need to continue to do your critical task well actually uh, i'm really glad that dr scott brought up how he got uh misd got input from the teachers is really that's that's been a resource for me as well is my customer is a teacher whether you're an administration or you're a principal or a dean or assistant principal we're we're all here really to support the teachers and in turn those teachers are going to educate our students and create a better society a better world in hopes of you know creating a better world so my best resource has actually been talking to teachers who I've been who I've made either friends with here or as colleagues uh, within not only within my organization, but also within other charter schools um, to find out what their biggest challenges are that I can actually have some kind of an, of an influence in. So, um, yes, we we do. Well, at least within the charter school network um, with other charter schools, a lot of times we use the same vendors, the same contractors. So we're kind of networking in that fashion. And then also uh, with our providers and our equipment manufacturers, uh, whether it's getting on some kind of uh, purchase, purchasing cooperative and making sure that we have the supplies, you know, across the, the North Texas area without hurting each other, like I was talking about earlier, um, or just getting, you know, stealing ideas from each other. Um, I kind of call it coopetition. Uh, for, <laughs> for charter schools, uh, you know, we may be in a DISD uh, zone or a Grand Prairie SD zone or a Fort Worth ISD zone. Um, but we still talk with those, uh, for the facilities anyway, we still talk with those, um, you know, counterparts in the, in those departments to, to make sure really we're benefiting the students that are, whether they attend our school or whether they attend a, uh, a traditional school district, um, we're still kind of in the same boat together and we're trying to get past all of this together. So it's been, you know, kind of a coming together um, more so than we have to, to try and cooperate. Well, awesome. we are bordering on um, 
being way too long on our show. <laughs> this is oh, usually what, an hour long show and we've already gone almost an hour and a half. So I really just have one more question for all of our guests. What have you learned from distance learning that will shape the way your schools operate in the future? Well, that's such a good question. Go ahead. Mine's pretty short. Um, really just changing our changing our buildings to, to accommodate that, that additional infrastructure, um, making our campuses uh, basically build communities. Um, I mean, I, I'm a strong believer in that schools do build communities and not just making it for our students, but also for the community as, uh, in general. So um, that distance learning has become, uh, turned our uh, campuses into distribution points, whether that we're distributing meals or we're distributing laptops. So being able to kind of change, uh, change in that fashion. All right. I, I would say it's really kind of two things, but one, uh, just the strength of educators and whether that's the teacher in the classroom or the student nutrition worker or the people that were just hanging on, hoping, you know, that, um, you know, they were going to have a job. I, I think it's the, the strength of the educational community has just been incredible and and because of because of that strength we've been able to really look at what education looks like as a whole i think mr darden referenced this earlier you know education is not going to look the same again mm. ever mm. going forward and so part of, of of what the spring has brought us and and what we're going through right now is going showing us the strength of teachers and educators and that we can do anything um, but, and there are going to be some things that, that we'll be, that we'll be doing differently and we'll be doing better moving forward for kids. So I would just, you know, Mr. Darden talked about how we've, we've reimagined things. And, and part of that is because we've had the opportunity. Uh, we talked earlier about, um, attendance being coupled with, uh, with the funding formula. You know, there has been some ideas and, and this is just uh, an, something that we want to do in Mansfield that, that the state doesn't allow is, you know, the, the university model where you which would looks a lot like the hybrid model that we've talked about. Legislatively, you can't do that. Uh, you can't have students come just two or three days a week because the state won't fund the other days if they're not there. And we can't afford to hire full time teachers for part time funding for students. Um, and so just legislatively, I'm hoping in January that there are uh, that our, our representatives uh, give us some leeway uh, for kids that aren't already in dire straits. So you had the flexible optional school day, but there's a very specific subset of kids who have either already dropped out or or who are pregnant or, or meet some other have some other life challenges before that you can you can apply those pieces. Um, we have parents uh, that would, uh, our elementary kids, that would love to have them at home uh, two or three days a week and then kind of trust us to do the education side and they do more of the, the faith and family side. Uh, so there are opportunities. Um, this is, this being shut down has kind of re-brought up uh, some of those old things that we, that we've thought about over the last four or five years that we were just flat told by every lawyer and every member of TEA or us or TASB uh, um, that we asked that, yeah, you, they won't fund that, hmm. you know, no matter what you do, they won't fund it. So it's exciting. And that maybe this is um, 
this has sparked not only education circles, but those outside of education that if you want us to be creative, uh, you have to allow us to have the funding to be creative. We can't be creative without personnel. Uh, and we're not asking necessarily for more. We're just asking to be able to fund the ones that we have. Uh, so that that gives us um, that gives me some hope at going into the uh, uh, legislative session in January. All right. I think that when when we look back on this, and as everyone has alluded to already, um, it won't look the same, um, and we'll be better for it. Uh, the collective genius of educators across this state. Uh, I am MISD. I am AISD. I am every ISD. Hmm. Um, and so we are no longer separate because we know how, you know, how small the world is brought on by one pandemic. Um, and then there's the other pandemic of, of, of the social aspect of things. And when I think of, of how we're going to evolve, I think of the equity issue, uh, whether that's within districts or it's across the state, you know, we have to reimagine and we have, um, but access is, is the defining factor. I think that when we think of how disproportionate, again, I hear that word again, that ugly word, disproportionate, um, you know, it boils down to the inequity issue, the socioeconomic issue. And I think that as a collective, because we all have kids, we have affluent, we have those who are not, uh, we have poverty. Um, and I think that what these two pandemics, the, the one, the, the, the stain on our country, and the other um, just bought on by a, a, a novel virus, uh, that occurred a hundred years ago, but in a different form. Um, uh, we're going to work on this equity issue. And I don't think there's any conversations that we're afraid to have, uh, whether it's legislative. Um, and I think that more often we can come together again as a collective and realize that um, we're more alike than we are different. Um, but the equity issue is a real issue. Um, and, and if we're going to make sure that every child, every single child has the opportunity um, to capitalize on the common denominator, which is public education. Um, and I think that, you know, again, we'll have these, these conversations more often. We'll have the diverse perspectives. Uh, we'll have the differing perspectives. We'll meet collectively. Again, we'll have this consortium of just educational minds across the board. I can't unmeet Dr. Scott. I can't unmeet Dr. Cantu. I can't unmeet Mr. Torres. I can't unmeet the Bailey family. Um, and trust you me, this you'll hear from me. Um, if I have questions, I will rely and you'll receive an email. And, I, you know, as a doctoral student, I will be asking questions. I mean, you know, when I meet good people, um, I, I like to rely on good people, um, especially when we're in the same uh, profession and passion. Uh, for children. So again, that won't change. Again, we're all been faced with the same thing. And so um, uh, moving forward again, as a collective, we'll move forward together. Um, uh, babe, I'm sorry, let me just one, one last uh, quick like this from a, a teacher standpoint, the word that kept coming to mind all since March for me is the word pivot, is being able to pivot quickly um, and adjust because if we try to hold on to the model 
uh, um, it's going to um, hinder us from seeing what could be. Um, and uh, there's great opportunity now for families and for educators and for districts to, to grow and imagine the, imagine the possibilities um, of what could be. So I'm, so I'm excited about some things now that um, I can do that I wasn't able necessarily to do in the same way when I was you know, formally in the, in the classroom as well. And so, uh, but also how can I meet the needs of those in the classroom? So, you know, I, you know, it's, it's forcing me to stretch and grow, but also as an educator, how can I come alongside my educators, uh, my, 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 my teammates, uh, my, my team, um, we're coming together with a plan with our math team of what we want to present to our principal as far as here's our plan as a math team. We're on a united front and how we're going to attack and making sure that every right. single scholar is you know, getting what they need across all the grade levels um, in sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Um, so teamwork and pivoting, um, but then and also just uh, just exploring um, and growing together and, and just know where is grace. Uh, giving grace to each other, giving grace to your yes. children, giving grace to um, our leaders as they're growing as well. Right. Uh, and Dr. Cantu is so refreshing. You're a mom. And, you know, just hearing, you know, as a mother, not as a superintendent, but as a mother, you know, that, you know, she, she's working this out herself. Um, so for all the parents out there, wherever you are, um, just, just grace, uh, be, be gracious uh, we have questions and we're all, you know, we're all worried about it, um, but uh, we're all working together, um, whether it be campus facilities, education, leadership, campus leadership, that we are, we're striving for excellence. Um, it may look different now than it was in the past, but we are, we're on that path. And I'm, I'm, I'm more excited than ever. This might be the most excited yeah. I've had in education um, as far as engaging my students and, and showing them things that, you know, like I said, that maybe we couldn't do in the same way in the past as well. Uh, but grace, um, innovation, uh, pivot, and let's let's go get after it. All right. Well, good last words. I do want to say thank you to our uh, friends online because you guys have been giving me life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we have had so many questions, and I apologize. We weren't able to get to all of them, and some of you have been cracking me up. This one says, Dr. Cantu, hire Leon Darden. What an asset. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what an asset he would be to MISD. <laughs> so watch it, DeSoto. <laughs> <laughs> well, well but, that's, we're, we're gonna take a lunch break and then we'll be back at, right at 1 30 right <laughs> yeah so no, I, but there's so much so we, i mean we kids can't get to it all yeah but, we had but, a lot yeah. more questions and i know you guys had questions online um and so thank you guys so much for um for participating in the program with us thank you to our guests you guys were wonderful and i echo the sentiments uh, the, of my husband that you know you guys are doing an amazing job um, I know that it's very difficult um, to to uh, hit a constantly moving target. Everything is constantly changing for you guys, and your passion for our students and for the families is um, is um, wonderful, and we're thankful for it. Yes, 
Thank you guys so much. All of you. Thank you. And thank you you for for this opportunity. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking your time. Well, Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Day. So we always want to let you know what's going on with Noggin. If you're listening online, don't jump off just yet. We have a little housekeeping. We want to tell you guys what's going on. At Noggin, our mission is to help close the achievement gap for economically disadvantaged children by improving educational opportunities for students, supporting families, and encouraging excellence and innovation in the classroom. School Day is part of our commitment to support families by providing access to experts who offer information and resources regarding all topics that impact education. If you love this program, please consider donating to Noggin. Your gift will be tax deductible. Head to our website, schooldazedshow.com to give today. Also, each summer, Noggin hosts our summer math and reading program with the goal of preventing summer learning loss for at-risk students. This year, because of the pandemic, we were able to pivot and serve these students virtually. Although the program looked different this year, we wanted to make sure that each student finished the summer with a brand new book as they have every year. So for the last three weeks, we've been conducting a book drive And so many of you guys have been so generous and we're so appreciative of that. If you would like to participate and purchase a book, you can go to our Amazon wish list. If you head to our website, nogginfoundation.com, that's N-O-G-G-I-N, click on ways Uh, to get... I'm sorry, babe.org. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. That's (laughs) nogginfoundation.org and you can click on ways to give. So, David, we're in the process of planning a show to discuss social emotional learning and intelligence in the light of school closures, online online learning and the pandemic. So last year, we invited Preeti Ahuja, who is the social emotional learning coach at a local school district here in the DFW area to talk about SEL. And recently I reached out to her and she agreed to join us again. Uh, Yes. So um, so SEL. uh, social emotional learning um, is understanding and managing emotions and learning how to relate to others, mm-hmm. um, establishing positive relationships, uh, responsible decision making, and which are things we normally practice in the classroom, but are much more challenging to reach uh, and to teach and practice in a, in a virtual environment. Yeah, so we want to talk about those things. And so be the, on the lookout for that episode in August. Uh, go to our Facebook page and like it um, so that you don't miss out on any um, upcoming information. That's Noggin Educational Foundation. And don't forget to share that with your parent friends. And as always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com for more information about all that we're doing and all of the resources that we've mentioned here on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss the show find us on spotify apple podcasts google play music and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts and don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at noggin foundation that's n-o-g-g-i-n and last but not least we always want to end the show by saying that david and i are parenting by grace we depend on god to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults and if you would like to know more about that please feel free to email us at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Dazed is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, 
N-O-G-G-I-N foundation.org.